Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Maybe there has been one person in your life, and for when that person stands before you and says, you know what, what I did was wrong, and I'm sorry. There's a release that happens within us. There's almost like a freedom. There's certainly a healing that can take place when that, takes, when that happens, but there's almost like a burden that is relieved of us in one sense. And maybe that's bitterness. Maybe that's resentment that we're holding on to. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. When someone personally asks for your forgiveness, a healing can begin. It may bring a release of your bitterness or anger, or just a feeling of relief. But whatever it is, Pastor James reminds us in his message today that grudges and unforgiveness can harm our very souls. Unresolved negative feelings towards someone can rob you of your pleasure and contentment. Release it to God. He is the healer and restorer of relationships. Is there someone that you need to forgive today? Now here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis chapter 42 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. come forward and then they bow down before him and he you know he's and it's going to tell us he's alerted to that dream that he had where all his brothers bowed down before him and he's like whoa wait a minute the light bulbs are going on and I think he kind of got it already and he knew that God was you know was using him and had him in Egypt I don't think that he understood that God was going to use this and every event in his life up until this point to almost really to fulfill his own word This is happening. His brothers are bowing down before him with their faces to the ground. And that's what you do to people who are uh, in high uh, positions or high authority. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them. But he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Why would he do that? I think the fact that he spoke to them at all is is grace in, in and of itself. Like, if I'm there, I put myself in his shoes or sandals or whatever they're wearing at that point in time. Like, how would I treat the ones who betrayed me? This is your moment. And you know all the stuff is flashing back through his mind. And maybe it's not, because we know he had Ephraim, who, you know, God has caused me to forget all the things that have happened to me or the wrongs that have been done to me by my brothers. If it was me, all the things would be playing back in my brain. Like, yeah, you know, I I was sold as a slave. Um, You know what that journey is like for a slave? From Canaan to Egypt, it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. It's not first class, I'll tell you that. Then I worked in this household, and, and that was good, but then I got falsely accused of something, and I ended up spending a good portion of my life in jail, unjustly so. I could just imagine, like, you know, maybe that revenge thing stirring up with inside of him. I mean, he has absolute power and control to do whatever he wants to these 10 men, whatever he wants. And we'll see it in here. He's going to play with them. But if he wanted to call them spies, he could do that, and they would be locked up in jail. 
and they couldn't say anything. If he wanted them executed, he could have that arranged. He could have it arranged. He had total control of the situation. But he's going to treat them like strangers because he's not going to like do that thing where he's like, oh, hey, fellas, brothers, it's me, Joseph. He's, he's not going to do that because he doesn't know who he's dealing with. He recognizes them, but he needs to understand their character and where they're at. I heard this story last night as I was driving home from Dallas. We are listening to, my wife was playing a podcast from Skip Heidzik, and uh, so he was telling the story of this, um, this soldier who went off to war. I don't remember which war it was, um, but he went off to war, and when he got back home, he, he called his mom immediately uh, to let her know that he made it back home safely and, uh, and to, to tell her that he, he was going to bring somebody home with him, a, friend, a, near, a dear friend that he had brought back with him who had saved his life on the battlefield. They were in a foxhole, and a grenade came in, and uh, this friend sacrificed himself and ended up losing one eye, one arm, and one leg. And so he's telling his mom, like, um, listen, can he, can he come and live with us? And she's like, well, he can come and stay with us, um, and, uh, you know, but we'll find him a good place to go. And he pressed the subject even more, and he's like, no, listen, mom, this, this guy, um, he, needs to, he needs a place to live. He needs to live in our home. Can he live with us? Is it going to be okay if he lives with us? And she would go on to say, um, you know, listen, um, he can stay for this certain amount of time, but he's going to have to go somewhere else. You're too young to have to take, take care of this person for the rest of your life, for their life. It, it's just far too great of a burden for you to bear and to carry. And he says, okay, and he hangs up the phone, and she's visited by military personnel with the sad news to, to let her know that her son has committed suicide. And the call that he had placed with her was, to, was really a testing because he was the one, as his body shows up in town there in the casket, he was the one missing the eye, missing the arm, missing the leg. And he was calling to see if mom was like, will I be accepted? Will I be accepted? Will I be cared for when I come back home? And in his, his process through that, he felt as though, I, I don't know if I'll be cared for. And so his way out was to take his own life. And she's heartbroken over that, obviously, obviously. Joseph, in one sense, is treating his brothers very cautiously and, and, and really pro, pro, probing at their hearts before he reveals himself to them because these are the guys who hurt him, the ones who are supposed to take care of him and care about him, be fully invested into this young man's life, the ones who are supposed to watch his back. They're the ones who are supposed to care for him. And this should be a good lesson for any of us because sometimes, you know, we deal with, with individuals who come through our lives and they hurt us. This is a reality of life. Sometimes people hurt us. Well, what are you supposed to do down the road? How do you handle that? You, you should never be a doormat for anybody. And if anybody ever counsels you in that way, I would advise against that. Now, it's not that, you know, you, you close them off within your lives and you build up all these walls or anything like that. You have to be cautious within relationships. We've all been there. We've all been hurt before. And sometimes when it's time to, like, seek out resolution and maybe seek out, you know, just reconciliation and all those things, my advice to you would be be cautious. Don't avoid it. There should be forgiveness on our part. There should be absolute forgiveness on our part and all that stuff. But there also should be an element of caution, if we're wise. 
if we're wise. I've experienced that within my life. I, I've been on the other side of that. I've, I've hurt others as well. And what I would, I, you know, I, I want to earn back trust. I want to earn that back. And I don't expect anybody to just freely give it to me without any question or hesitation. I, I think we, have to, we ought to be cautious, cautious in, in these types of things and really just trusting in the Lord. That's what we see with Joseph here. I mean, he isn't just like, hey, you know what? And he did forgive these guys. He did forgive his brothers. He's already forgiven them. But he's not so quick to say, hey, you know what? I forgive you guys. All is good. Come in here. Give me a hug. Let's talk. Let's catch up. He doesn't do that. He wants to understand, I've forgiven you. But are you even sorry for what you did to me? And he has every right to be cautious about that. Every right to be cautious about that. He has forgiven them. He has moved on. He has done those things. But there is a reason, I mean, why we'll quote this often. Jesus said himself, we ought to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And not just like, well, you know, they hurt me, but I forgave them. And, you know, I'm just going to, you know, just move on. You know, we'll forgive and forget. It's like, I'll forgive. It's hard for me to forget. But you know what? If I'm going to pursue a relationship, it's going to be done with some boundaries put in place. Because I got to know, I got to know where you're coming from. I got to know where you're coming from. And that's really what Joseph is doing here. So if you're wondering like, well, why would he speak roughly to them? Well, you know why. You know why. These guys heard him. They heard him. So here's this, I mean, it's a tense scene. And, and again, I, there's so many things within the book of Genesis. We read through these stories and it's just like, yeah, okay, there's that, that happens. But when you really get into like, you know, the guts of these stories, so to speak, the, the bowels of these stories, you understand like we're dealing with real people. And there's a lot of good things that we can pull out from their examples in, in their lives. And, and I would encourage all of us, when we take time to read through the word, that sometimes we just slow down and say, okay, Lord, what if it was me in that situation? How would I handle this? How would it, Lord, how do you want me to handle this? It's fascinating how, how all this works. And, and I, I only speak to that because, I mean, I'm experiencing some of this stuff. Look, I'm trying to, like, reconnect with my dad. The biggest part of my life, you know, the one who hurt me the most. But I'm actively pursuing, you know, him and, and forgiveness. There's total forgiveness on my part. But it will never be something like, hey, you know what? I forgive you. Let's hug and let's just be a son and father again. It won't be that way. It won't be that way. It'll be, I forgive you for everything. And I'm willing to move forward, but I have boundaries put up in place because well, I got to know where you're coming from because I'm not just going to throw myself out there to be hurt again. And that's not fair to my family. That's not fair to my kids. So there is wisdom there. There is a lot of wisdom there. And we even see that with the Apostle Paul. I mean, read, read the New Testament. Read all his missionary journeys. I mean, he got burned by a lot of guys. And he would even say himself, like, listen, I love you. We're good. We're brothers. But uh, I think it's best that you go that way and I go this way. And we'll keep serving the Lord for the kingdom. But, you know, sometimes there's just got to be boundaries put in place. Caution. So here's Joseph. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to take my time with these guys. He goes on to tell and talk to them. Uh, continuing in verse 7. Where do you come from, he said. And they said, for the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them, and he said to him, and so he says to these guys, you're spies. You come to see the, the nakedness of the land. 
And they said to him, they're like, no, 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 no. Because this was common. Obviously, there's a famine going on, and you have one nation that has all the food. There were going to be spies creeping in to see how they can come in and overthrow these guys or to steal what they have. Joseph doesn't really believe that they're spies, but he's really just kind of poking at their heart, so to speak, to see what comes out. You're spies. They're like, no, my Lord, your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. Get this. We are honest men. Really? I wonder if Joseph was like trying to hold back laughter at that point in time. Like, what? Honest? What did you tell dad when I didn't come home? What did you tell our dad when you showed him my coat, my tunic of many colors that was stained by the blood of a goat? What did you tell dad, you honest men? You're honest? Seriously? I mean, this would have been me. I would have been like, I don't know. I would have, maybe I would have lost it at that point in time. Like, just like, uh-uh, I'm going to flesh out on these people. Like, no, but Joseph's like, he hears them. We're honest men. We're, tell you the, we're telling you the truth. Your servants have never been spies. Verse 12, he says, he says to them, no, it's the nakedness of the land uh, that you have come to see. And they said, no, we are your servants. We, your servants, are 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is no more. One has died. And they're standing before him, and they're like, our other brother, he's, he's dead. But that's what they thought. They didn't think he's a slave. They didn't think he's anywhere, even a lot. They thought, our other brother, well, he's dead. And that's, you know that's when Joseph's ears are per- perking up, and he's like, okay, well, tell me more. I'm interested in what you have to say. So this one's dead. Fascinating. He goes on, or they go on, uh, where Joseph says in verse 14, uh, it is as I said to you, you are spies, but this you shall be tested by the life of Pharaoh. You shall not go out of this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother while you remain confined, that your words, if you're honest men, that your words may be tested, whether there is truth in you. Oh, you're honest men? Okay, I'll test that out. One of you go back. Get your youngest brother and bring him back if you're telling the truth. Or else, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And he put them all together in custody for three days. On the third day, Joseph says to them, do this and you will live, for I fear God. And they would have recognized that if they were paying attention. They would have recognized it because he doesn't say, um, the wording he uses there is not to you know, indicate a, an Egyptian god, which were many, He uses the word, the term, to describe the Hebrew God. So he's throwing out a little hint to these guys. They should have picked up on that. But if I was in their shoes, I wouldn't have picked up on that because I would have been thinking like, oh, man, I'm in jail. What's going to happen? This guy has the authority to take my life. And now we got to go back and get our younger brother. And we know that our dad is not going to let him come. So what they're faced with is this very real reality of like, there's nine of us that are more than likely going to die in this prison cell because one of them gets to go back home. And they know each other. That guy may not come back. He may not want to come back, right? Because, yeah, the, okay, you go get the brother. Yeah, sure, I'll go get him. Yeah, I'll get him. Well, what's that set him up for? It sets him up for a really good chance to be the heir with only contention with Benjamin to be the heir. So that realistically, that means just more stuff for him. And I wouldn't put it past these guys 
because they're not the best guys in the world. Their character is, is bad. So we go on. If you are, verse 19, if you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined where you are. So now he's letting them know, well, I'll send the rest of you home, and we'll just leave the one. Let's see how this works out. Let one of your brothers remain confined uh, where you are in custody, and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine for your households, and bring your youngest brother to me, so your words will be verified, and you shall not die. He's letting them know, like, this is serious business. If you are lying to me, and you come back, it's not going to work out well for you, because you will die. So he's letting them know, I mean, this is a, a very severe thing. Now, would he actually put them to death? Probably not. But we also know that the Lord is in control, and he's got his 12, the Lord does, to, to really to jumpstart this nation. But there's 10 of these guys that just really need a wake-up call, because they're horrible men. They're horrible men. And, and God's really going to, he's going to send them a wake-up call, and this is all part of it. And Joseph lets them know, he's like, listen, if, you, if you're lying to me, it's your life. It's your life. Number one, I mean, even if they don't come back, he's like, where are you going to find food? You have to come back to me to find food. You have to come back. But he's gracious, and he gives them all, he gives them grain. I mean, he's going to take care of their needs. He, he loads them up and does all that stuff. And in ver, continue on verse 20, it says, and they did so. Verse 21, then they said to one another, this is them in, in the presence of Joseph. So create in your mind the, the visual. They are standing before their brother, having this conversation out loud thinking, because Joseph is using an interpreter, that he doesn't understand their dialect. He, doesn't, he can't speak their language. So they say to one another, in truth, first time in their lives, probably, in truth, let's speak truth. Let's be real with each other. Why are we here right now? How did we get here? In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother Joseph. First time these guys have probably ever owned up to the sin that they committed. Probably the first time, because we know they hid it from their dad. They didn't tell him the truth, and they probably buried this secret deep within their hearts. And we know how that works out. I mean, we have, we have David, King David, who tried to do the same thing with Uriah, right? I mean, he had, a, he had the guy murdered and, and tried to hide it. And it just was like, he, he described it as like, it was as if there was like flames inside of me burning up inside of me, that conviction. These guys, I mean, they go for years, years. And then finally, standing before Joseph, and it's because he was poking and prodding them, so to speak, that they're going to, they finally own up to it. We are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul, speaking to the crying out that he was doing when he was thrown into the pit, when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them, saying, did I not tell you not to sin against the boy, but you did not listen? It was his plan to, like, let's just throw him in the hole, in the pit. And when, they, when the other brothers left, he was going to rescue him out, and then he was going to deliver him to dad. And hopefully that would put him in good standings with dad, because he's the oldest. But Jacob's not treating him as if he's the oldest, because, well, he's a bad dude. Reuben says, hey, I told you guys, what I tell you? I told you we shouldn't have done that. Now look at it. Now look where we're at. So they're, put, they're connecting the dots. They're putting it all together. He says, you guys didn't want to listen to me, so now, he, so now there comes a reckoning for his blood. 
we are reaping what we have sown. Sometimes that happens today. Sometimes that happens years down the road. But for these brothers, they, they recognize, like, man, you remember what we did to Joseph? That's why we're standing here right now. And it's like, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Now, would they have been standing there had they not done that, done that to Joseph? I have no idea. I don't know how any of that stuff works. I don't, who cares? This is where they're at. This is what happened. So we don't need to speculate on the what ifs or anything like that. This is what they chose to do. And this is where they're at right now. And the Lord is in total control of all of it. And he can use their sinfulness to work out his plan. That's, and that's ultimately what he's doing. Verse 23, they didn't know that Joseph understood them, for there was an interpreter between them. Then he, Joseph, turned away from them and wept, because for the first time in his life, he's hearing his brothers actually owning up to what they did to him. See, again, they hurt him. Man, the wound that they caused within his life, I'm sure, went deep, because that's how it is when brothers hurt each other. We see it all the time in churches. When, when people in the church hurt each other, man, those wounds are deep. We're just with a bunch of pastors in Dallas at a Calvary Chapel conference. And the common thing, I tell you what, there was like 42 senior pastors. And you all get like three minutes to come and stand in front of everybody and say, hey, you know, here's what's going on in my life. Here's how my family's doing. Here's how the church is doing. What is one thing I wish I knew before I experienced it? Something like that. And how do you, how you can pray for me? The predominant thing by most of those pastors when it came to what did you wish you had known before you experienced it? They all talked, not all of them, but most of them talked about the hurt that they had felt from within the church. That was a common theme. You know what? Because it's one thing for somebody who's not saved to hurt me. That's fine. You know, I don't like it, but I can take that. But when that happens inside the church, that hurts in a way that is just unimaginable. And Joseph is like, man, you guys are my brothers. And for the first time, he's hearing them finally own up to it, finally. And and he breaks down emotionally. He breaks down. Can you imagine the relief that he felt upon hearing that? I mean, that's, again, put yourself in that position. I, I don't know where you guys are at. I don't know what you've gone through. But maybe there has been one person in your life. And for when that person stands before you and says, you know what? What I did was wrong, and I'm sorry. There's a release that happens within us. There's almost like a freedom. There's certainly a healing that can take place when that, takes, when that happens. But there's almost like a burden that is relieved of us in one sense. And maybe that's bitterness. Maybe that's resentment that we're holding on to. Um, I know 10 years ago when I, I had to work that out with between my, my dad and myself, um, and I haven't confronted him personally at all, but it was literally killing me. Literally, it was damaging my body, the hatred and resentment I had toward this one individual. Literally, physically, it was destroying me. It was. I had to go to the doctors because something was happening inside my body. And what it was was it was directly connected to the bitterness that I was holding on to, that I held on to for so long in my life. Hopeless, 
There's so much to learn from the pages of Genesis, but sadly, that's all we have time for today on Bread for the Broken. We're so glad you've spent your time with us today and would like to take a moment and let you know how you can hear more of Pastor James Grizzle's teachings. Simply navigate to breadforthebroken.com and click on Teachings to access our archive. Feel free to share the teachings with your friends and family or post them to social media. We love it when we can share the good news of the gospel with anyone and everyone, and you are a part of that. While you're at our website, you'll be able to discover more about the church behind the ministry of Bread for the Broken. Calvary Galveston isn't just another church in our city. We want to be a light for Jesus to all who enter through our doors. We love the Word of God, Jesus, the people of our church, and the people of our city. Do you live in Galveston or are you visiting soon? We'd be honored to meet you in person. Calvary Galveston gathers for Sunday morning services at 10 a.m. Not too early, but in plenty of time to start the week out with worship. Our atmosphere is pretty relaxed. Just come as you are. At our service, we search the scriptures for what God wants to teach us, and we spend time reflecting and celebrating Him through worship. Visit breadforthebroken.com for our address and to get more information. We're excited to meet you. Thanks for tuning in today to Pastor James' teaching. Join us again next time to continue through Genesis and find hope and new life in Jesus.